form of torture to have Red Wing fans watch Bertuzzi's first playoff game the same day the Red Wings are doing exit interviews with players because, you know, they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, a little bit of torture. I love that everyone's coming to the realization like they're they're like looking back at Bertuzzi's history and they're like, oh, he was a great playoff performer in GR. I'm like, well, yeah, the Red Wing fans have been saying this for forever, that he was going to be the best playoff player and we couldn't wait to see him in a Red Wings playoff journey. But alas, he's doing it in Boston. Comes full circle real quick. Yeah, I guess so. Good slap in the face. But uh, that's the realities of a rebuild where the Red Wings are at. But uh, welcome into another episode of the Production Line podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And on this episode, we will be discussing the season that was or wasn't, depending how <laughs> not optimistic you want to be. Um, talk about some uh, suppressors, where the Red Wings are at as a whole. Um, some overview some questions following the season, uh, most improved players, stuff like that. We're gonna have a little fun with this. I think this is a, although kind of the season can be maybe looked at a negative light. I still think, I, I still take quite a bit away from it. Although the Red Wings did finish lower technically standings wise in the Atlantic. It was, it was a step forward. My opinion. I don't know. What would you view the season as like as a whole? Uh, uh Compared to last season. Yeah. I think it's kind of a tough read. I mean, you're coming in with a like a whole new coaching staff and stuff. I mean, I I would say it's a slight improvement. There were parts that, like that looked really good. I mean, they were in a playoff race until the bitter end, basically. Not that it was. I mean, it was grim most of the way down the stretch, but technically they were still in the race. Um everything just looked a lot cleaner this year and you saw younger players improving. I mean, that part's really intriguing. Like when you have players like Bergeron coming to the lineup, I mean, Valeno showing more consistency, Rasmussen stepping up. That part is really exciting and intriguing. So ultimately as a whole, I would say it was a a better season than the prior season. I'd say, that it was a slight improvement. Was it great? No, but improvement. Yeah. And again, I think this is uh this is the nitty-gritty of a, a rebuild. It's really easy to be in the position of Chicago and Arizona and just rip it down and get tons of assets. It's yeah, it's always it's easier to dig a hole than to like cover like bring it back up, right? You know what yeah. I mean? So you can tear down players. And the Red Wings did great with that. They did all the early work when Eisman first came in, came in with the Red Wings. He did excellent. He did everything that you'd want him to do. But now is the time where you have to like, it's a lot of banking on your players who were, were once picks hitting and find becoming NHL players and becoming good NHL players, which takes time. It's not a, it's not an easy thing. Um, in past years, there wasn't a lot to be looking forward to at the end of the year. I thought the Red Wings played still played past the deadline. Even I know they they were above the playoff line for a while, which was a huge that's a huge step up. They were playing meaning meaningless games really in reality after January last year. This year it was a whole like I would say it's another six weeks on top of that of important games, and you had still storylines to follow after the trade deadline, right? There was that big, um, there's the big Carolina win 
you can look at. Um, they beat the Bruins, beat the Penguins. You know, there's still some like pretty good wins in there. Mm. It wasn't like they just rolled over and died. I mean, I wouldn't count the Penguins as a big win. I mean that. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Well, they they were still like at that point, like viewing. It, it was were... it was a fun win because ultimately it made the Penguins' chances to make the playoffs worse. But <laughs> that team is the joke. In but, term, I'm I'm saying this against teams that were like above the playoff line. Yeah, I get what you mean. I just wanted to take a shot at the Penguins. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel pretty good about sacrificing uh one in reality, likely like one pick in the draft yeah. for the Penguins one, not to make it. Probably what would it be two picks? I think actually in reality it's two because Florida's the wild card two. So actually it'd be like yeah, somewhere in there. Depending on oh Winnipeg as well factored in, whatever. So it's a couple picks, doesn't really matter. Um, it's still hilarious. I love it. Yeah, but yeah. No, I think yeah, it's the hardest part right now. And you look at look at teams like again. I know that's gonna be keep getting impaired to where the likes of Ottawa and Buffalo are at, and then like Montreal for example. In the, just in the Atlantic, those four teams are. For a while, are going to be kind of compared to like what stage of the cycle they're at. It's very easy to just be like Detroit's at three, because this point of the face value, that's what it is. They haven't had that young, young like the young players really step up and carry. Yeah, a lot of this like the Red Wings' success is still on the back of Dylan Larkin, right? I know Cider's Cider's hit. That's great. Like he looks to be that guy. Um, Raymond again, he's kind of. I wouldn't say it, he didn't have a huge down year, but he didn't take that huge step that a lot of people expected. But again, sophomore slumps are pretty common and adjusting, especially for a smallish forward that like is very heady. A lot of times those guys struggle. Um, so, I mean, again, and you compare it to other guys like Tage Thompson blowing up out of nowhere, the Red Wings haven't had that guy that blows up and is that guy. Right. And it's kind of, you kind of need to separate yourself out of this stage comparative to where the Buffalo's at rise yourself up. Um, but no, uh, I mean, they have a decent chance again, um, this summer to do something about it. Uh, ninth best odds at Connor Bedard. If you want to do it, uh, 10.4% at either Fantilli or Bedard factoring in the first and second, um, odds. Stop that. That's what it is. 10.4% chance. It's five for the first and 5.4 for. Fantilly. So technically so you're, ten. So you're saying we're we're getting one of the two? I hope 10, so. 10% is like 70% chance, right? I think so, yeah. If well if not, you flip if you flip it, it's like 90. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so if we want to really good that, chance, yeah. I think everyone should get their hopes up. I think I'm gonna get my hopes up because why not? I know you have a blank Red Wings jersey. I say you just put Bedard on it right now. <laughs> It'd be a power move. It would be <laughs> It's a good way to waste one hundred and fifty dollars customizing a jersey, but I think I might do it. Yeah, it'd be fun. Why not? You look like a real genius if you did, though. If he did, if it hit. Yeah, I'm an I'm an insider with GB. Yeah, I mean, you can you can maybe you get in with GB and see what the uh, what the script is for next season, and maybe you get a you get to read and see see how the draft lottery plays out. Yeah. You can get whatever player the Reddings will end up with. Well, the Reddings are actually going to get the first overall pick and trade it. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. 
for uh, what was it, Ryan Fugue last year? He traded for Anthony Stolarz. Yeah, I think we're gonna do like a little bit better than like Anthony Stolarz. We're gonna do like Kevin Lankinen. Right. <laughs> he had a pretty good year this year. I don't think you can take that away from him. You gotta gets to be back up to UC Soros and barely play. It's nice. Yeah. Good stuff. No, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. Again, I think they're in a good spot. In terms of the lottery, again, I'm not banking on the lottery. I actually know the script this year is going to be the Red Wings pick six overall again. I don't know how, but they're going to. They're going to trade up. <laughs> they trade up from nine to six. It's going to be legendary. Yeah. But no, um, it's a step forward. I'm I'm with you. I thought like that stretch in February where they won seven out of eight. Easily some of the most fun I've had as a Red Wing fan in a very long time. Yeah, 100%. A lot of good, like, a lot of fun came out of that. You learned a lot from some players, like, and we'll talk about those guys too, but I think that's super important for moving into next season where, where a lot of, the, like, the same pieces are going to be coming back. And you did you alluded to it as well in terms of, like, a whole new coaching staff, integrating, integrating a new system, with a lot of new players too, there was a lot of there was a lot of turnover, and I'm sure there's be some turnover this year too. In sense of getting used to new players and stuff like that, it's not like an easy thing. But against the NHL, and you'd you'd like a lot of that to be a little seamless. Luckily, this year a lot of the, the leadership guys are going to still be there. Dylan Larkin's locked in, Andrew Cops locked in. Uh, depending how you feel about Ben Sherrod, he's also locked in. David Prawn, also another year. So, I mean, all your captains there locked in. Lalone did say in his press conference that he expects all the coaches to come back too, which is another thing that's I think is a positive. That's definitely a positive. Because I, I think mean, if you if you good, it's hard to kind of judge like anything poorly based on one year of a tenure for like the whole coaching staff together. With like a complete new team, especially like basically everyone besides Tange, like he hadn't been there before, and or they hadn't been there before, and then Tange's experiences was with Blashill as a head coach. So I mean, it's kind of hard to judge on even his tenure because like I offense think power play. I like if I were to judge because again he's kind of as viewed as the power play guy. You look at it towards the end of the season, I think he gets some pretty big marks. Turned it a lot with a with a lot less to work with than he had in, in other parts of the season. I thought the power play took some big steps. Yeah, ended um, up being ended up being a little bit slightly less than average in the NHL. Like it was around like eighteen, I think. I should have pulled it up before, but I want to say it was around that. It was around that. It was over. It was like twenty one percent. Yeah, it's better than like thirty first or thirtieth, whatever they had the year before. I mean, it was miserable to watch. It was like twenty fifth. I want to say the penalty kill was the bad one. The penalty kill was thirty second. Yeah, they both thirty first. Really it was thirty first. It was thirty first because Vancouver was worse. But this year the penalty kill was eighteenth. Yeah, which I think is a huge credit to Bob Bugner. And that one's kind of hard to judge too, because I mean you had players coming in and out of the penalty kill all season, and uh, there were some parts of the season that the penalty kill was so darn good. Like even like the first part of the season, like they were really clicking. Well, yeah, um, they went. Was it they? killed 20 straight i want to say yeah at the start, start of the year. season it was something like that and then you lose rasmussen who arguably is your best forward penalty killer He's arguably like him cop and Suter, i would say are the three best and then yes then probably larks but i mean rasmussen's such a big part of the penalty kill 
Mm-hmm. Um, losing a piece like that really stings, especially like if you have a guy like would like Larkin taking a penalty, and then you really don't know who to bank to throw out there. I mean, you're throwing Ernie out there who loses his footing quite a bit, and then. I mean, towards the end of the season, it was like Valeno and Ernie, if like Larkin was in the box. Yeah. It's tough. Um, but no, yeah, well, I don't even mention that in his press conference where you're talking about Rasmussen. How impactful, like when he got asked a question about those Ottawa games, which I feel like have kind of been, it's kind of, how do I put this? It's blown out of proportion, those games. Yeah, the Red Wings got ran, they got their show run, and Ottawa took a little fun run after it, but literally the, the Ottawa Senators got eliminated a couple hours before the Red Wings did in the, from the playoffs. So it didn't end up meaning anything. But, and again, I don't think Steve Eisenhower made his decision off of those games, so therefore that's why I think it's a bit overblown. But it did show that what aspects that is missing. I get it. But he, he almost, over the losses of... Heronic and Bertuzzi, he almost emphasized Rasmussen's loss being just as big, if not bigger. I, I would say it was just as big. Like he was so impactful this past year. Like yeah. easily. That uh, like and it's hard to argue that anyone else is like I mean, Heronic had a really big impact this year too at the start of the season. So I mean mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard to compare because they both play such different, wildly different games, um, in different positions. But like Bertuzzi barely played this year. And when he did, it looked like he was still fighting an injury and like just getting his feet wet. So I mean, it's hard to argue that Rasmussen didn't have a bigger impact than him. Right. I agree. Um, but yeah, this is kind of it's a big off season for the Red Wings. I w- it's the biggest in Steve Eisman's tenure as GM, for sure. So you kind of have to again, like I said, you're like I would rank third on this list of terms of the teams, at the bottom of the Atlantic and Montreal's like a couple more pieces away from being just in the same boat as the Red Yeah. Wings. They're one Connor Bedard away from being just as good. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, it's not, they're not far at all. Like, I mean, if they get Connor Bedard, they're literally going to be just as good, probably just a step behind or neck and neck. Yep. This division's going to be stacked. Yep. So that's why I it's kind of it's super important to kind of follow what Eisman's doing. Like I said, like it's super important to win the lottery. <laughs> that helps, but like also in terms of he's made decisions to keep kept Larkin, you've extended Wallman, you've extended Mata. I know you moved on from Bertuzzi and Heronic, but again, those were deals you probably shouldn't especially the Bertuzzi one. Couldn't pass up on that one. Heronic deal was really big, and you got a lot for it, and it's big for the future, but also like can also be used as future assets to make moves. These are this is the time that Eisman needs to needs to start putting the screws into the future, like into now. Pedal the metal. I, not like I'm not saying go bananas and get rid of both your first round picks. That doesn't make sense. But you're looking for deals like and I, he brought it up in his press conference as well. He like he cites Huso as being a successful example of trading a pick for a NHL ready player. I think there's pieces like that out there where you can pay a little bit less, but there's also pieces you can pay more. Um, and especially like I know in recent talks too, but uh, I think we can get back to that a little bit. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I do want to kind of go through Eisman's comments. Um, he got asked where he thinks like the like the rebuild, like how does he feel where the rebuilds at, and he feels he's just okay with it. I did find it really interesting, like when he was talked about like players development and stuff like that. He got asked about like 
prospects and all that. And he said he's like happy with some of them and he's not happy with others. So it seems like he's almost at a point too, where he's like, uh, we need to start stuff that needs to start hitting. And a lot of it felt circled like on a couple players in the Red Wings organization. I took it as Lucas Raymond, Joe Valeno and Philip Sedina. As a lot of it, the like the the what was intended, like a lot of the young guys needed to produce more. I didn't really take it as that. I took it as he wants them to take a step ahead. He really never said that he's um, I think when he was talking about the basis of more so guys that weren't in the NHL yet. No, like, I, 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 I knew that. I meant more so like on the roster, if they the team wants to take a step forward, those players need to start producing oh, more. Yes, like he, he came out and literally said that. Like he said that guys like Raymond, Valeno, Zadina, like they all need to take like a step in production or he wants would like to see them take a step in production if they want to increase goals. That not everything has to be looked for in the free agency and the trade market. Like that would help a lot if like they could score five to to like seven or eight more goals more a year. Like that's huge. Like and Zadina didn't really get a chance to do any of that this year because he was hurt all year. Yeah, and then also you can make the argument when he was in, how good was he? Yeah. I don't know. I'm so he's such a I hate having the Zadina conversations because it's so polarizing. It's like yeah. I can make I can make the excuses that he was like he was always coming back from injury and never could get rhythm and he was constantly in the bottom six, but he also like didn't do much offensively to like garner any more opportunity when he was in. Yeah. So he hasn't really done anything. No, it's it's unfortunate. Um but yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Lucas Raymond's season as a whole is just interesting. You know what I mean? Like I don't like what do you feel about Lucas Raymond's like his past season? How do you feel I really it? don't think it was that bad. Like I know that he's getting a lot of flack, but uh there were points of the season where he struggled to produce, which obviously is one of his big things, like producing. Um, but he still plays pretty disciplined defensively. Um, and he's a really smart hockey player. And my biggest issues with Raymond were like just with his confidence, like carrying a puck into the zone or even like gets the puck in the slot and he makes one extra pass, stuff like that, when he probably has a top three shot on the team with like best release. Like it's a really sneaky release. I I don't want to say it was good, but it wasn't bad. Like there were some points, like even the back half of the, not back half, but the back just under a quarter of the season, he was really, really good. Maybe the last like 10 games of the season. Like he's one of the Red Wings' best players. I there's so much there. It, he's, I mean, these are back to back forty point seasons as a nineteen twenty year old. It's really not not bad. I mean, it's it's hard to project what he's gonna be. Still, I mean, he could still end up being a first line player. He could be a top six player. Yeah, no, I know. And I'm again, I'm I more so I'm just phrasing the question because, again, I, I think, you know, okay, it was an OK season. I think Eisman described it as OK. I would agree that it was OK. He didn't yeah. really he didn't take a jump forward and he had 
bigger spouts of inconsistency throughout the year. Oh, I wouldn't even, this- yeah, I wouldn't even say it was a step backwards either. It was just like a little just- stamp pat or like he had some moments that looked like they were better than last year. And then he had some moments that looked worse than last year. So it's yeah, like he was up and down. He was more inconsistent. He had that beginning stretch of the year where he started looking a little rough. And then he went on that really hot stretch after he like broke the seal and like scored for the first time this year. And he like cruised on that a little bit, had another slump, got injured as he was starting to get a little bit better. And then towards the end of the season, I felt as if he he started cruising a little bit more. It was it was definitely an adjustment year. I'm obviously like anyone writing him off and saying like whatever, trying to make an assumption of where he's going to be is it's obviously getting too far ahead of themselves. But yeah, this is a whole. Like I, I wrote an article um, this past week for um, Inside the Rink, uh, grading all the Red Wings. I know it's a little bit at this point of the year, it's a pretty common piece, but I did give Raymond a C plus, and I think like that's a fair grade. Yeah. Again, he he didn't really. He was about the like he was about the same as last season, which isn't like last season he was a big step for a rookie, so that's why he'd have a higher grade last year. But he didn't really take any steps forward, but. He was wasn't bad either, and there was a lot of spouts of inconsistency. Um, but yeah, I thought that was, yeah, Lucas Raymond's season. Um, but yeah, Eisman again, kind of emphasizing he wants to improve in every area this year. Did talk about like Lalone talked about in his systems as well, like how the defense took took a big step last year, keeping pucks out of the net. Like it was like it was like thirty some less this season, I believe, in total, like in, ter- in total goals against. But the offense also took a big dip too. So I, there's going to be a balancing act of how to get more goals and without losing any defense, which is, again, what good teams do, right? Yeah, I mean, I would even take that as more of a positive, like that the defense really improved and the offense struggled. I would take that as a positive. I mean, the amount of unstructured hockey they played la- the, the year prior, like, I mean, you'd have games where you were losing Arizona 9 to two or whatever the score that game was like and then pittsburgh 11 to like the week uh, after Pittsburgh 11 to two the week after like i'd rather lose to pittsburgh four zero than 11 to two hell yeah like blasho was just letting them loose he's like yeah let's let's get in a scoring race with these this, these guys let's get the dogs out let's get first line vladislav domestikov let them run i mean even like the season opener the year prior, I mean, against Tampa Bay, seven six, seven six. He let him loose. Like, sure, sure, that game was so exciting to watch, but that's not a tr- recipe to win a hockey game. The Toronto, Toronto game, that ten six, that was electric, but that's not a recipe to win a hockey game. No, and we saw it like once this year, like in terms of like two teams going out, like going all loose. It was the Buffalo game at the end of the season that, and that's more so to do with like the personnel, I think, at that point in the year. Yeah. And it was just going nuts. And that was a fun game. That's like a that's a fun end of the year. It's a fun end of the year game. Yeah, like when the season doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it was it was fun. But no, I yeah. I thought they did a lot better job. There was they weren't getting blown out as many nights. I mean, there was a couple games. Like there was a plenty of like five one losses this year, but again, I think that can be kind of common with a lot like a lot of teams in the Red Wings position. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know with yeah, it's a lot of there's a lot of questions, but I think we're gonna get into a little segment with questions uh, in a bit. But kind of continuing on Eisman's like says he'll be active in free agency next year, but does admit that there is a much smaller pool of players than last summer. 
which is exactly what you want him to hear. And he played a safe answer saying like, if I don't get players or sign players, then it's not my fault because there's a smaller pool. It's kind of, he's balancing his, his comments there. Yeah. I mean, even like looking at this year's free agent crop compared to last year, there's not really any player that I circle or like stop and look at for 10 seconds because I'm like, Ooh, I really want this guy in a Red Wings uniform. Yeah, there's like, it's weird. I I like a lot of players on the list, but they're not like. There's literally like no one that I would want. Really? There's really not that many. Because I think they're going to be way overpriced based on their season trajectory. Like, I mean, like a guy like, for example, a guy like Max Domi. He's going to get paid. I'm avoiding him like the plague. Yes, he's going to get paid. I mean, he's looked good with Dallas, too. But, I mean, he had huge numbers in Chicago because there was no one else to do it. That's why I'm avoiding him. But, I mean, he's looked really good in Dallas. Yeah, um, great. I, I wouldn't be interested simply because he's going to get paid. Um, I mean, Like, the only guys I'm really intrigued in are, like, defensive defensemen that would fit a third pairing. Like, there's really no forwards that I'm looking at. I'm like... Okay, let's get you. <laughs> There's a couple. Depending on how, like, again, a lot will change. Like, if the, if their trades made ahead of the deadline, my answers change. Yeah, exactly. If that makes sense. It makes sense. But no, I think there are players still. Like a guy like JT Comfer, for example, I could see fitting. It's another one I'd avoid, like the flag. Yeah, I understand his, the terms. His numbers are due to their inflated from being that's the Colorado thing. That's team. the thing is like he'd come in and everyone have really big expectations, but like the the truth is he's played with Miko Rannan all year. Yeah. So again, it'd have to be the right situation, but I do like him as a player, and I think he could be very. Useful. I like JT Comfort a lot, but he's gonna get another one that's gonna get paid. Yeah, you'd be looking at around five. And that's the same thing with Max Domi, probably. Yeah, Domi. Maybe, I don't know if Domi would have as big of a ask, simply because he's been playing wing. And yeah, maybe he's not. had a, he's had a history the past couple of years of not being what he is, where yeah. JT Comfort's kind of been a pretty solid player, and he's kind of played a role in Colorado as a middle six center, and also PKs quite well. Yeah, there's like so, no really good like scoring wingers though. That's one of the things like you have Corn yeah. Zucker, neither of one I'd want to touch, and then like Tarasenko, Tarasenko would not want to touch that. Uh, yeah, Kaner, no. Your best bet is playing at like a value play, like a Max Pacioretty, like on a one-year deal. Yeah, because he's been hurt all year. But like, if you can have him healthy for a full season, big upside player there. Yeah, and who knows? Does he want to really go through this again? Like, he's one that I'm really curious to see what he wants to do. Yeah, by all means. But the right, you know, Steve Eisman's got the Alan Walsh connection there, so we're all sure. set. Not anymore. Alan Walsh. He's got. He still got deep. He still got DP. He and, hates and, him. Hey, no, he doesn't. Dude, it's a part of the business. Yeah. If an agent, like, and also, like, as an agent, he should be pumped what Steve Eisman did. Here's why. He traded Philip Peronick to the Vancouver Canucks where they have no choice but to pay him. Yeah. He just made Alan Walsh, like, quite a bit more rich. <laughs> so if I'm Alan Walsh, I'm sending Eisman flowers. Are you kidding? Yeah, maybe. No, it for sure. Dude, he, he would have been, he's behind Moritz Sider. He was going to be playing second pair or. Playing second pair, second power play. 
I know he's playing second power play in Vancouver. It was, it was more or less a joke. I think you're taking it a little too seriously. <laughs> no, I, I I know. I know. I gotcha. <laughs> but still, like if I, like I'm being serious, he should be pumped at Philip Pronix yeah. in Vancouver. And he will probably be making $7 million on his next contract when that was not going to happen in Detroit. I, I think that's what he's going to get. No. Yes. Okay. All right. You will, I don't, I don't uh, see it. I'm going to clip this and you're going to owe me an apology when Philip Pronick eventually signs an eight-year deal over $7 million a year. He will not sign for $7 million. If he, if he signs an eight-by-seven deal... I'll send you a hundred dollars. Like that will not happen. I'm clipping this. This is for sure being clipped. And okay. it has to be. I want you to remember. I want million. you to remember who, who, which team he plays for, and who runs them. And yeah. Are you so confident about that? I am. Okay, that management great. should be fired before then. So <laughs> they might be. <laughs> Ugh, that's actually a good point. That's a good point. Because again, I have nothing on this line for betting. I have not bet anything. I'm just telling you that I think it will be that. Um. But yeah, no, there's other interesting comments as well. Like he, he mentioned the goaltending Eisman did on needing to get better as long along with the team defense again. Um, I thought the the mentioning Nedalkovich and Helberg all potentially being like options again. I, I I you don't really want to say like no, this guy's not coming back. Like yeah, that's all right. it's it's nice talk. Yeah, Pierre Dorian just saying. Pierre Dorian is way too open. Dude, I think we're talking about him a little bit, but uh, he's he's ball so well. He's in care. He's letting it all hang out. Yeah, that is like Cam Talbot. He turned. You know, he wanted two years. What an idiot. See ya. So that was that was the brain kid doesn't want to come back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll go and say that right now. Yeah, I'm gonna lose my leverage here. That sounds fun, but uh, yeah, I thought. The Nel- both of those comments were interesting, but again, I, I get it. Ned had an interesting year, for sure. But uh, I know towards the end, I, you can make the argument how much to put into at the end of the year, and I don't think I put a lot into it. No, I don't either. He did play well; like he was easily the, he was the best goalie on paper from the last part of the year. That's not saying a lot, but again, tough point to actually evaluate in the year where the roster is what kind of meaning of games they're playing teams are playing what their situations are but i'm happy for him and i hope he gets the opportunity somewhere if it's in detroit i do think he has the talent that's i think i think he'll get an opportunity somewhere for sure i don't think it'll be in detroit i don't think so either but i think there's a good chance like someone will take a swing on him because why not like he's not completely proven but he's had really good moments in the nhl yeah. His highs are really high and his lows are really low. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's a good way of putting it. No, his talents are. I think he could be a cheap like backup or like a team that's like, you know, not sure where their goaltending situation is going to be. Honestly, like, honestly, like him going back to Carolina being like Kachekov's like other guy. I don't know. I wouldn't strike me as like a bad I move. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Or even like Toronto, honestly, with like Samsonov. You need a cheap backup with him. That would also make him. sense. So, I mean, some options there, and those teams are pretty, like, in Toronto, for example, like, I know people love to say they're high offense. Their their structure was good this year. Yeah, and Ta- er, and Samsonov's probably going to get paid, too. So, like, yeah. if you if Toronto wants to re-sign them, they probably have to go, like, a cheap route with that. Yeah. I mean, unless Joe Wool, uh, unless Joe Wool's ready to go. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a possibility, too, because, again, that would be a cheap way to do it. But, yeah. 
Um, yeah, and Helberg. I don't really have much to say about Helberg. I thought he had a big opportunity and he blew it. Yeah, I, I would kind of go to agree with that. He the they literally brought him in. He got the second job. They earned he earned it. Earned it. He played slightly better, and they were trying to play the last of two evils. And he had some good games, like like again the game we were at in Boston. He was outstanding that game. Yeah, he had the game on the island too, where he only let in two goals and they were peppered. Another good game, but like other than that, like there were some really bad games, like getting the Arizona game in Arizona. I know he played some tough nights on like back to backs and like on the road, but he didn't really offer a lot. No. So yeah. I did like the uh, I always love the prospect talk with Eisman like because you love to pick his brain on where they're at. And these are the two guys he's most excited about it was Mazer and Lombardi. I mean, I think the comment of like Mazer will be on our team sooner rather than later and be a good player. Yeah. Good stuff. Love to hear that again. He had a great stint in the NHL. Great time in Denver this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he is a guy who pushes for a spot next season in Detroit. Yeah, even if it's not right away. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like the first call up if like uh, a biggish injury happens. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if he makes a team out of camp, though, Um, just the way he competes and the different element he brings compared to like other guys. It's he's a unique player. He could be a guy that starts on like a fourth line. And he'd still bring value. Especially if they have like a fourth line that they had this year where it was kind of not completely centered around a checking line. It was more more or less like like you had Kubelik on the fourth line at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Valeno, like Kubelik. Like yeah. I, those are players like it's not even much of like a what did you start as Valeno, Kubelik, and Sunquist? I believe. Yeah. Like that's not even that's not a generic fourth line. No. And I don't think again, and the NHL's kind of going away from Besides, like the Islanders were playing Islanders, and I would say like the Lightning have like Even the true Minnesota. Yeah, actually, there's still teams that do it. Yeah, but, like a lot of NHL teams, like again, like a Carolina, for example, have loved to throw out like skill guys in the fourth line, and you try to play the. They it's still like their their roles aren't really as much to score, but just possession, and yeah, and get give the guys the big guys a rest, which is still very important. You're not getting shelled. If you're not getting shelled in your own end and you're providing rest to other guys in the roster, by all means, like it's it's a successful shift for a fourth line and chipping in the occasional offense. Yeah. I'm not saying I want that for Carter Mazer. I think I would rather I would rather him on a first line in GR or top six. Or I mean middle if, if he can be a middle six guy in Detroit, by all means, but depends how much you're playing the fourth line and like what his role completely is. Like, is he gonna be play quote-unquote fourth line in power play yeah and he's gonna be averaging 13 minutes a night i really don't think that's the worst thing in the world but if he's playing no. like nine minutes a night no power play time then yes by all means let him have a good season in gr yeah and the other guy yeah lombardi um I, eisman like smiled when he was talking about lombardi calling him a, a entertaining fun little player I think it's a very apt description. Um, yeah, played his, he's played his first two games in GR. Had a really nice assist his first game, and I mean, I think the Griffins only scored like three goals in his two games that he played. So I mean, factored in one of the three, not too bad. 
No. Um, and it's set up too. I mean, bolts down the boards, gets a loose puck, goes around the net and finds Hiroshi back door. Very skilled pass play. Wasn't like a secondary assist that like trickles through on a rebound or something like that. It's kind of telling what they think of him a little bit too, based on the fact that they could have sent him down for Toledo for playoffs too. Uh, but they didn't. Um, I would say ultimately that's a good sign. I would say so too. I also like the fact that like, all right, this is the like Toledo. These are all guys that played in Toledo this year. And they're yeah. the group that did it for us. It's kind of like something like that, but also like, like setting, like obviously like Letheman going back and all that. Those are all guys that played on the roster in Toledo this year. So yeah. Therefore, it Granted, makes sense I to think, have. I think Vera only played like five games, but yeah. Oh, I forgot if Vera was on the list too. Yeah. But yeah. again, I, you know what I mean? It's not like you're just stock, stocking it up and also taking away from guys that like are ECHL guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, for sure. I think that's important. Um, but yeah, I agree. That does kind of. Also, he gets plenty of time to train for next season. I know his big thing. He wants to bulk up Lombardi. Because he's like 170, 510. He's a very small guy. But I know like Eisman pointed out, he's like, maybe he can be a skill guy in the NHL that sticks who's just small on the smaller end because of his compete. Yeah. Which, I mean, watching his highlights in the OHL, I know you were talking about his clips and stuff too. The dude loves to get to, get to the net. It's not, he's not a perimeter player stocking up on the power play points. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I watched a lot of his Saginaw, the Saginaw Flint series, and uh, he was the best player on the ice. Um, suck, it, suck it, Michael Misa. Yeah. Never heard of you. Well, I mean, it was more so Matias Sap- Sapovalov, but he's he's I. But yeah, no, I think uh, I I love hearing stuff like that. Again, he mentioned Soderblom too, talking about his. Um, he doesn't think staying in the HL at the end of the se- like like throughout next season's the end of the world for him. But he thinks he has a ton of potential. I would agree with that. Again, Soderblom had a weird season. Again, he got hurt too. So I know, like I don't, I think it was like I don't forget who the reporter was that asked the question. I don't want to like sewer someone, but they kind of asked like, "Oh, he really dropped off." But like, you didn't really pay attention, did you? You kind of just looked at the stat line. Yeah. Because they're it purely stats. It doesn't look. He does look like Soderbaum popped slop, You know, slowed down, but he had injury. Yeah. So it's not really a fair thing. But no, I, I think he he made it clear that like with guys like Johansson, Edvinson, Casper, all have a chance to make the team. But and every player thinks like when they come into camp, no no player is like, man, I can't wait to go back to junior. Yeah, exactly. They all come with the mentality of making the team. So. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not, which is it's Eisman's job to kind of make those decisions, uh, plan around contingencies. They're not ready because you don't just open up spots for them. Similar to what happened with like uh, Soderblom this year. They made room for him. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he makes a team out of camp again. No, he showed plenty of like potential in that fourth line. Like there was plenty of points. I mean, for the longest time, if you looked at like. I think it was natural statric. He like led the Red Wings and expected goals percentage. Yeah, he he had uh, he strung together a couple of really good games with uh, Detroit, and then like you said, that injury happened. They tried to bring him back up again, and he struggled a little bit, and then he went back down, and then he got injured again in Grand Rapids. Well, he had that one stretch after he got injured and he came back. He had that stretch of like six games where he had points. It was him That's and right, Valeno he that did. had the points. Yeah. That's right, he did. Him and Valeno both. It was the line of Valeno, uh, Berggren, and Soderblom. Yeah, which was a lot of fun. 
again, like like you're saying, that fourth line thing that can work. It's not really. It's a quote unquote. Especially when they're really possessive players, like Bergren and um, Soderblom are both really possessive, and then Valeno can be possessive with the right players too. He's a transport that gets the puck into the zone yes. to where you can start possession. Yes. So yeah, I thought. Uh, yeah, again, plenty to take take away from those. Um, I do kind of want to talk about um, getting the fun stuff a little bit. So I have biggest questions heading into next season. Got to speculate a little bit more. Have some stuff going. Uh, what what is like a, what is one of your biggest questions? I guess we can kind of break down question by question and give our thoughts. Well, I guess I'll start with the the not as I mean it's still really easy, but I won't start with the big big question. But like backup tandem goalie, like you need mm. a backup a really reliable backup or a tandem goalie, like whether or not you, it depends on what like management thinks of who so and what ultimately they want out of a goaltending duo. Like, do you want a one a and then a one B or do you want two one B's? Like, what do you think? What do you think of who so essentially? That is kind of like the question mark. I think they view him as a starter. I, I think I so too. I think they view him as a one A. I don't think he's a clear starter, maybe, but I think he's a one A. So ideally, you want him under the fifty mark, so that way you're you're looking at bringing a goalie who's playing thirty to thirty five, right? And that's that's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. So you need to have a guy who's pretty good, and also like has a clean. And again, like the, I think they're going to make this move in free agency. I, I think so I too. I don't imagine this is a trade. Yeah, there's a pretty decent market for goalies this year in free agency there is and there's a couple interesting options too for example like i think uh we've talked about it a little bit and this way would help and this is kind of contingent on like how gr handles their situation too but like a guy like auntie ranta for example would be the perfect guy because he's proven to be a consistent producer like again he's starting for carolina in the playoffs right now yep he's very trusted again maybe they bring him back too who knows but um, very trusted. The issue is, is he can't stay healthy. In this case, you would also need to have a good third goalie. And in this situation, you'd also get Kosa. In theory, Kosa would become more of a mainstay in Grand Rapids and he'd get a lot more starts, which would be good for his season. Yeah. It, yeah, it would. I guess it would depend um, on who you can get for a third goalie. Um I know there's a guy like Colin, like Colin Delio would kind of be a guy who would fit that role for me. Yeah. Youngish play has played games in the NHL has been okay. But again, if your third goalie is just okay, it's not really like your if your third goalie is like sinking your season, it's not really his fault. Is it? No, my opinion. Yeah. So. But Ronta has been really good this year when he's been healthy, but that almost be like a tandem in my eyes more than a 1a 1 1b which is also fine like you just ride the hot hand um yeah i kind of view like the split games if you want to do like the tandem option i viewed like jari is that guy i wouldn't i think ront is better than jari really jari's unproven like he's had good moments and he's had horrible moments and he can never he's almost as bad as ronto with injuries 
is. No, I agree. But I, I, I view... and like when the difference is when Ronta comes back from injury, he's really good. And when Jari comes back from injury, he's <laughs> really, really bad. I don't know. Maybe I, I, I like Jari a lot personally. I do. I'm not as big on Jari. I don't, I don't, I like Aiden Hill better than Jari. I'd rather Aiden Hill over Jari. Wow. Because I, Aiden I, Hill's I, gonna I... come at a cheaper tag and he's like, he's younger. And I think, the potentials there. He's were. not that much younger. He's younger though, uh, and Here. I think that there's more potential there. Like where Yaris almost seems like he's on the downfall of his career. I do agree that I would prefer Aiden Hill, but it's mostly because of the price tag. I, I don't think having two goalies making over four million dollars is ideal. I'm looking at a guy who's going to make like two and a half million for next season. And I, I know he's had really good moments this year. But like I'm cautious with Aiden Hill even because of the team that he's on and how good like they can be defensively. And the defensive and the yeah, the defensive system they play. Yep. Yeah. And Jar Jari's been atrocious. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want Jari in general. I, I do think he'll get a decent contract from like a team that needs it needs a goalie. Like an like Ottawa. The, like an Ottawa. Like where the Red Wings which could be awesome for the Red Wings if they take <laughs> Jari. <laughs> but uh I think, like you said, like more, like we've talked about, more of a tandem-ish, like really, really good backup is what I'm looking for. And depending how much you want to read into like recency and comparing last season as well, a guy who kind of worked out for the Capitals was Charlie Lindgren. I kind of look at Alex Lyon as possibly being an option. That's that is a really interesting one. Like Lyon has been really, really good down the stretch, and I mean, even last night against Boston. He played really well. I mean, he had the leaker against Marshand, but also his he kind of kept him in that game. Like the leaker was a huge. He made two huge saves on Trent Frederick that were backdoor. I mean, those were muffins, but still, uh, like was in position. He was in really good position. He was really quick to get over. Like he's a probable backup in the goalie or in the league next year. Yeah, and I think that is an interesting one. Like he'll become. He's gonna be he's gonna be a little more expensive, but if you look at like a Charlie Lindgren deal where you give him a couple years and it's like one one and a half, that's the thing. Like if you look at Charlie Lindgren's season this year, like when he was playing, I almost thought he was better than Kemper. He had a good year. He's a good he's a good goalie, and I think there's a lot more. The goalies are so weird because there's a lot of them that come out of the blue. Because I know Alex Lyon's thirty, and everyone will be like, "Oh, he kind of came out of nowhere." Yeah, They're late bloomers. A lot a of lot goalies of are late bloomers, and a lot of times you can get a lot of value from goalies banking on those guys and signing to like those cheaper one, two year deals that are like worth 1 million versus like getting a guy like, let's say like Frederick Anderson, who's always hurt. And also sometimes is not, he's got the, again, like you say, like Tristan Jari syndrome. Yeah. I, I lied. Lingren didn't have as good of a year as I thought. Like he had an 89 save percentage. Uh, the, the Capitals had kind of a rough stretch, but like he had that one point where Lingren had early in the year where he was, uh, he was a star. The, like this, the start, start of the, of the month year. Uh he might have been of the week, but uh it was a really can... good stretch early in the year. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. So I mean, again, I again eight ninety, like if you look at Kemper's numbers, I would guess they're not that much worse. Or not Kemper's much better. were better. There is a nine oh nine. Okay, so quite a bit better actually. So eight ninety nine and then a nine oh nine. Oh eight ninety nine? Yeah. That's not that bad. No, it's, league... it's 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 not. Goaltending, the league average goaltending this year was eight ninety seven, I think. Yeah, like so he was a slightly above average. Kemper's numbers were a lot better than I thought Kemper's were. That's why I kind of said that. Okay, like Kemper played 
51 games too, which I thought that's Lindgren played a little bit more than that. Those Still are good though, numbers for Kemper. You want to look at that split though. That's kind of where I'm looking. Yeah. Huso and, and whatever goalie. Cause I think Huso showed that he has the potential, but it's the point of like finding that right guy. Right. And I think that could be Alex Lyon. Yeah, so, it definitely could be. Those are the kind of guys I'm looking at. And I think you can, if you have anyone else that were kind of like caught your eye. Not that can come to my head right now. Like, I know Corpus is out there, but again, I think he, he might be a guy like Ottawa goes after or something like that. I think Martin Jones too, but Martin Jones had a weird year this year where nope. he was really good and I don't want him at all. Like, nope. uh, I'm trying to think of other goalies that are out there, out there. I know Verlamov is, but he's old. Yeah. I don't like that. There's a, there's a lot of options out there this year. Um, It's just whether or not you want to take a stab at that. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get more into detail in that. Like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do articles as, throughout... the, as the summer goes on. Yeah. Obviously time. some of these players aren't even going to resign. I know for example, lion won't probably because he's going to get a job in the NHL. I think in Florida's obviously he's, they're committed to Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky next year, at big money. So yeah. it's kind of like he's unfortunately, he's kind of the guy out. Yeah. So that's why Alex Lyon for me is like a guy who I know is going to be there. But he'll probably be, honestly, he'll probably have some offers for sure. Yeah, I mean, like there's Quick, Varlamov, Freddie Anderson, Talbot, Jari, Nelkovich, Blackwood, who's an also oh, Blackwood. An inter- he's an Blackwood's interesting, interesting. Yeah. Brossois. That's another one I forgot to mention. He's 7 and 0 this year. <laughs> uh, he's uh, 7 0 and 3. Oh, okay, I don't see that. Yeah, seven uh, three. Reimer, uh, Hill, Ranta, Jones, yeah. Samsonov, Halak. He didn't play that many games this year, I don't think. But he's an he's interesting also old one too. I think old. I don't think I don't know if I'd want him playing thirty. Corpy. We could go back to Greiser, Stolars. Yeah, that's where you start. Like now, I'm starting to like again. There's still like six or seven guys that are like. Honestly, like, okay, I can, I can work, you know, I can see it. Right. Yeah. I can get behind like probably like six guys here. Yeah. And be okay with. So there are options oh. and I, I think you can avoid spending assets in trade. Sure. I mean, also, I mean, again, there's also a trade market too. I think like a team like Buffalo is interesting because they're going to obviously have Devin Levi. So I think like a guy like UPL might be out or Eric Comrie. They might want to move Eric Comrie rather, but. Again, I don't know if I'd want Eric Comrie. Again, Red Wings legend, though. Yeah. Um, Calgary, again, Dan Vladar probably out. Or Markstrom. Or Markstrom, yeah. Good luck moving that. But uh, I know Dan Vladar probably, because, again, you want to make room for Dustin Wolf, who has been the best goalie in the AHL, if not the best player. Yeah. It's nuts. So, yeah, I, I, there are definitely options. Um, My biggest question, right-handed defenseman. Oh, I thought you were going to go a different route with that, but yeah. Actually, that's not my biggest one. Okay, yeah. I think we both have the same biggest question. Yeah. But uh, right-handed defenseman, I think there are plenty of options as well on the free agent list. I know you're not as crazy about some of them, but I think there are a couple of, like interesting options. Three stand out to me. It's Depending how big you want to go. I understand what you're saying. Like, I mean, I have intrigue in like a couple guys too, but they don't like... They're not... N- needle movers right like i mean i'm sure three guys you're thinking of are scott mayfield that's probably my favorite yep me too um connor clifton 
He's yep. a fine, fine six defenseman. Um, and then if you want to get a little bit crazy, Damon Severson. Severson's honestly underrated. He's good. Uh yes. Depends who he's playing with. Um he would be playing with Alimata in this scenario. And he yeah. would have a good old time. Yeah, he he's fine. Like there's moments where I'm like, wow, Severson's really good. And then there's other moments like I'm wow, Severson's really bad. He's, I know the fan, the fancy stats people really like him. Yeah, he's, he's very I, I know that. Um he's polarizing. Like Yeah. He can and again, be there's really there's good. the risk of how many years you give him because he's gonna be 29, how much you pay him, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not gonna get into that, but in terms of like options, I think he would fit a need because he you run a power play, right? Yeah. But depending if you how you want to do it, if you want to have like an Edvinson run a power play eventually, you'd probably want that open. So therefore I I would think you want to go for like more of a defensive option. And I think Scott Mayfield would be a good partner for Edvinson. I also don't think he'd cost that much. Not no, a crazy I, I number. don't think so. Either. I think he'd be a reasonable, like I'd say he'd be around four million a year, maybe a little bit less. And yeah. I think it's like a three or four year commitment. And he's gonna be 31, I think. So like it's not terrible. Yeah, because I think his last contract was in the million, just the single million. Yeah, he was 1.6, I believe, or something like that. Yeah. 1.4. Actually, that's what it was. So I mean, he's gonna be looking for like a, an upgrade, but obviously not crazy. Yeah, and he he's um, a good player. He's yeah. He's gritty. And there's also like, tra- there's a couple trade options too. I think like LA is a really interesting team to watch in terms of right hand defenseman. I don't know that you want to hop into the right defenseman trade market. That's my only issue. Like, you saw the package that Heronic got. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. want to give up anything that you they like, like that. I'd rather just sign a UFA. Yeah. Def- defensemen's are, defensemen are hard to trade for, especially right handers right now. Like, it's so much simpler just to go and get a winger. Like, like okay, oh, I need I need a goal scoring winger. Okay, let's just go trade for one. Yeah, like Victor um, Arvidsson, for example, went for a second and third. Yeah, what? Like Tyler Defoley, Tyler Defoley, for example, who actually might be a decent trade option this summer for the Red Wings. Yeah, but like when it comes to defensemen, like you could be spending a lot on like a Matt Roy or a Sean Walker. Um. See, I don't think so. I think you could like more than you'd want to spend where I'd rather at that point, just go sign like Scott Mayfield for a pretty cheap deal. Like I could see a reality where Sean Dursey becomes expendable because of Brent Clark. Maybe. Um, But at that point also you're spending a lot on Sean Dursey. Like, and I don't know that I want to do that. I'd say it's, it's, it's more I know the Red Wings don't have this luxury right now of right hand defenseman prospects, but it's almost it's definitely best to try to draft and bloom, like build these kids into what you want them to be. Because right. trading trading for defensemen is so hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Where no, I don't think I... I don't say the same about wingers because wingers, I feel like they're easier to come by even in free agency or like trade definitely no I, I agree with that and I, you make good points i don't know i, I thought of again chandra's a guy who offensive and maybe kind of out of place in la after because brand clark's gonna come in and i think brand clark's gonna be the one they want to prioritize yeah for sure i just don't so, know that i want to spend that much on chandra when i feel a hell of a lot more comfortable with the defensive group already comparatively to 
the forward group yeah, and la- lack of fair. offense. Like fair. Defensively, the team was pretty sound when everyone was healthy. Like definitely. Um, I I like it's an easy easy fill in on right D. I think I would go as far to say like if you get one of like the three to five guys that you are looking at signing like success yep. where I don't say the same about like goal scoring and stuff, which is a kind of a perfect, uh, segue. Yes. Yeah. That would be the other biggest issue is goal scoring as a whole. Shocker. Shocker. Ooh, shocker. I mean, everyone, I mean, everyone in their, everyone, you know, at home in their boots are ooh, yeah. scoring. That's an issue. What? The Red Wings weren't 28th in goals for this year or anything. Yeah, and that kind of, like, I mean, that one's, that's kind of where I bring in, like, a trade. Like, you don't want to be spending assets on, like, a Sean Walker, Matt Roy, or Sean Dersey when you can spend those assets on, like, a a goal-scoring forward or, like, a highly offensive forward. Because I, I, I don't, like, if you are really looking to upgrade in that department quickly, like you almost have to make a trade because you don't want to sign like a guy like, I mean, probably the two biggest goal scorers in this year's free agent class are three are probably, or the top three are probably Tarasenko, Kalorn and Zucker. I wouldn't want to spend money on any of those three really. Yeah. Not ideally. No. So, I mean, like you're looking at like a trade probably, and you'd have to package up like a, a probably a pretty decent amount, but I mean that's what it is. That's what it costs. Like, and there are younger guys that you can go and target. And it doesn't have to be like a forty goal scorer, but there probably will be some of those available this year. I can think of. I got a list of a couple, and I think they're all like in the ballpark of being realistic. I mean, obviously, like the one recently, like we were kind of talking about Alex Debrinket, kind of recently it looks like he's gonna be available again. He might come in a little bit of a lesser package too, considering the year he just had. Yeah, that one like um might be kind of a tough one too, because it's in division, especially with the two teams on the rise right now. I don't know how well welcome that's gonna be, but who knows? Um I would think the price would be a little bit lower than what he originally got, which was a first, a second, and a third. With that first being second seventh overall. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that'll be an interesting one. You have that, and again, he's a local guy, too, so I think helps maybe the potential of him wanting to come back and picking a spot. Cause again, it kind of seems like he wants to take some time, pick where he wants to be as a family. And a lot of times, guys will want to be closer to home, right? Yeah. Sometimes. Not all the time. Maybe he wants to who knows, maybe he wants to go to California or something. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I think that's a potential options again Winnipeg's a really interesting team to watch it kind of seems like one of their players like Dubois is already picking his spot where he wants to go you could argue with that trade I mean they could easily flip it but again who knows maybe that's a something that leads to something more like you look at I know Ehlers has been a guy who's buttheads with bonus all year tons of skill hasn't really he's not much of the big goal scorer but he's still like a 25 guy and he puts up a ton of points he's a he's a creator he's a line driver which is intriguing. But again, you have Kyle Connor as well, another local guy. University of Michigan, part of that CCM line that was a lot of fun back in the day. Um, Puts in, he's 35-40 guy. One of my no favorite question. players to watch in the league. 
fast as hell, can shoot the puck really well. Yeah, he would be the target. I know Eloy's is a lot of fun too, but Connor's Connor would be the big one for me. If Connor's available, he would be the target. That price is gonna be really high on him, but like he would be uh, a ginormous add to the team. And then like after that, I feel like it's not as many like big big options. Like you're still looking at Nick Schmaltz. Like if that was an availability at the trade deadline, I mean, he's not. He's not a huge goal scorer. I don't know if Clayton Keller is available or what that'll be like. Those are two guys that are interesting and what their price tags will be are very interesting. And then like you got the Flames. Like what are they doing? Like you've got See, that's an that's an interesting team where I think you get some value out of. So like you've got Tyler Toffoli, like you mentioned, and then you got lesser guys like Andrew Mangiapani, who had played really well in the past. And then you have Dylan Dubé. And I know you're a big Dylan Dubé stan. And I, mean, I, am. I, I think not, he's got more. They're not going to bring the crazy offense, but they're good pieces to help produce. Like both if, those guys. Toffoli's a 30-30 guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would say so too. Um, but I'm talking, I'm talking more so Mangiapani and Dubé. Yeah, they're, they're like half a point per game guys. I think 20 goal guys. Yeah, but both would be like really Manjupani well. Manjupani also is his defensive metrics are extremely good. Yeah. Um, that should be also added. But another guy too, I think, is interesting is Elias Lindholm. Yeah, I mean his presser at the end of the year was really interesting. He's got one year left. I know he's a center. Oh god, we he made it sound like that he doesn't want to resign. Probably most of them don't, dude. They don't want to I don't know. I don't know if you heard his presser or not, but I like, did not know. I just saw a clip about him talking about like if have they had extension talks and he's like, No, we'll see where this goes. We'll see where it goes though, and stuff like that. But it sounded like he doesn't want to be back. And with them also like changing management and stuff like that, it kind of seems like they'll go away from what they were thinking of just like a quick tool. I think they need to The problem is with Lindholm, like I don't know if I'd want Lindholm simply because then he's gonna be like the third line center because you'll have Bedard, Larkin, and Lindholm down the middle. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I don't know if I want to be paying three centers that much money. It's because tr- it's true. That's a good point. I forgot to think about that. I also have Fantilli too. It's gonna be hard to have fitting Fantilli and Bedard in the same. Yeah, roster. I don't know how we're gonna get the first and second overall pick this year, but it's gonna happen probably. Yep, probably. I, I think Zadina will do it. He'll yeah, he'll cover it. Um. But no, I think I think he's an interesting guy because again, he's another really good defensive guy, like a guy who, who would fit the system really well. And he's really offensive too. He is, and I think it easily moves like Andrew Cop to the wing. Yeah, that'd be I a also kind of Cop might be a healthy scratch if they keep him at center with Bedard. <laughs> you want to get him in the, you want to have him somewhere in the lineup at least, you know? He yeah, to, he's a good. You'd PK have to or, switch him to wing. You have to. <laughs> But no, I think like a guy like Andrew Kopp can move to the wing simply for the fact that um like you you have him with like Casper. Yeah. Cause he can adjust, he can help or you he plays center and Casper's on the wing, right? You kind of he learns some of that responsibility. Yeah, that would be a massive trade too. Like all yeah. these are like pretty big trades, like the likelihood of them happening, who knows? But Yeah. No, but I think like it's a discussion. My opinion is, I mean, this is like reactionary. I think a big one needs to happen for like, for my opinion of like the season off season to be a success. Yeah, it depends. 
Because for what? him for to go into an offseason and Eisman just to expect to be like, okay, all these young guys are going to take steps forward and it's going to be great. I wouldn't say it has to be a big one, like even like a like a simple one, like Dubé. Like how yeah, much? Yeah, I is also that have really... like another another name too. I have Ross Colton. That'd be an interesting one. He scores quite a bit, um, and he's going to be asking for more money, and Tampa Bay can't afford him with the mm-hmm. new extensions. And, and he's I think gritty. And he's gritty. I like the idea. So is Dubé. That's why I like both those players. A sense of getting more toughness and also having some scoring. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think all those guys would kind of fit. But no, my yeah, my opinion, like I think they need to make a move like this. There's a definite hole in the top six. They need at least one top six winger. Yeah. I'd argue even a center would work because then you can move cop to the wing and that solves that. Yeah, right? for sure. So somehow that needs to be adjusted. But yeah, I think we can move on to the next part. So MVP of the season. I think that's a nice way to start. I think we're going to do some player ones. MVP of the season. Kind of a nice overview. Uh, there's a few guys in mind, but I think the easy answer is Larkin. Yeah, I don't really think it's a question. I think at one point you could have made the argument for Huso. At one point in the year. I think so, too. I think the injury and then... I would say I almost had Huso over Larkin at the start of the year. And then the injury happened and then kind of wasn't the same when he came back and just a little bit inconsistencies toward the end of the season. But I mean, there was a stretch there where he was winning games, not, not keeping them in games, but winning games. Yeah. But Larkin came out this year in a contract year. And I mean, I know a lot of contract year guys really performed, but he was, he was great. Most nights he was the best player. Yeah. A lot of time, and I thought he did it better this year. I think last year he kind of got into the hat. Like some nights he would, he tended to show up against a lot of the worst teams last year, and some of the bigger games he didn't do as well. But I thought this year he played like he played some big games, like against like the Toronto game, for example, where they won in Toronto. I thought he, I mean, he scored a hat trick, obviously, but he was really good. Um, there's a couple examples like that throughout the year that I thought he, he stepped up. Biggest moments of the season, he was there. The whole Western Canada trip. Yeah. He was fabulous. And that was also, the biggest moment of the year, basically. Like, you look at that, that's that's what turned around their playoff chances at that point in time. And then they had, like, a drop-off from there and then the trade deadline. But that point of the season, he was great. There was also the, whatever, it was like the third game of the season against L.A. where he back-checked on Arvinson and saved the empty netter. Like, everyone looks back on that favorably. That sums up basically majority of his season right there. Like he had so many good moments defensively and offensively. Yeah, I I'd also like to throw like a a fun one at you, and like I know I know this one's kind of ridiculous, but Michael Rasmussen is MVP. No, Hear me but, out. no. Hear but. me out though. Like his value was proven, and like when his absent was gone, how, how much the team changed. I know you take Larkin out of the lineup and it's a completely like it's worse than when you take Rasmussen out, but still I thought it was kind of funny. I know what you mean, but no, I know it's more of a joke too, but like, uh, he'd be like one of the guys up there probably, but it's hard to call him the most valuable also when he didn't play a full season. Like, right. In terms of like value when he's in the lineup, I would say he's top five probably. He proved team. a lot. I think he honestly, you can now make the you could see a reality where he becomes like a second line winger and is very impactful in terms of physicality. Yeah, I personally, if 
I mean, I don't want to get too far. Like, I could pencil him in on the first or second line next year for winger. Depending on fit, yeah. Easily. Depending, like, who is acquired and then, like, different line combinations you want to throw out there. But I did love that cop Rasmussen Perron line. Exactly. That's why I had Last season. But if you really want to spark offense, like, when the Red Wings acquire, like, Alex DeBrinkett for sure. Like, because uh, that's surely going to happen. Uh, DeBrinkett, yeah, Larkin, and Rasmussen. Well, and Kyle Connor. Yeah, or Both yeah, of them. Kyle Connor will go on the second line. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But no, I think I, I think it's a it's a, and he kind of goes perfectly. Most improved player. Um, I think also Rasmussen. Definitely again, Rasmussen. Because again, I, I know it's not a surprise. I have a different answer for the surprise player, but most improved because again, he hit a point last year where like great, he's gonna be like a solid like bottom six guy. We're super excited, but this year he actually showed he did way more than that. Remember in the beginning of the season, we were kind of groaning about him being in overtime. Yeah, now I would <laughs> smile happily. Let him cook. Him and Andrew Cup, I was groaning at. I still a little bit groan at Andrew Cup being in overtime, but he has some moments. He has some moments for sure, for sure. Um, but no, I his steps again. I, I there's not that much to be said. I think if if any. There are like a couple big success stories this year for like the Red Wings coaching staff, and Rasmussen's easily one of them. I'd say yeah, he's easily top two. Um, I I just don't think there's anyone that really goes into the category of most improved with him. Like, I would say it's easily him. Yeah, I think I had another. Uh, sorry, I was gonna pull up my other name. Oh, my other my other name. I got a guy I had is Berggren. Considering where he came from last year, he was an AHL guy. He improved throughout the season and proved to be an NHLer. I think that's why I would go most improved as well. But like it's easily Rasmussen. But yeah, I, I would say Bergens is more improved throughout the season rather than season to season. Fair. Um, I would say Bergen was almost more of a surprise than I guess you could I would he'd probably be my second to yeah. Rasmussen. Okay. Biggest surprise. I think we both have the same answer here, I'm guessing. Wallman. Yeah. And then Chasen. Oh, that's a fun one. I did not have him written down. Um, I Wallman just he brought so much this year and gave you so much stability. Like, yeah, that is that's a hit. Like, He's my you, other success story for the Red Wings coaching staff. You trade a guy, or you trade for a guy, um, and unknowingly, besides like. His little, he's a little sample size in the NHL, and his micro sample has been really good um, when he's played. But his minutes have been tiny. You give him a big leash and play him a lot, and he plays good in that little leash of that like ten. How many games did he play with the Red Wings last year? Like nineteen. Nineteen, and then he comes in and uh, he plays really well. And you give him a bigger leash this year, and he runs with it. Yeah, Jeff Lasher last year would have rather pull teeth than put Jake Wallman on the top pairing with Mo Sider, although he was the best left-handed defenseman on the roster last year. Yeah. This year, it started off like they wanted Schrott to work there, and I get it. Like, you signed him the big ticket. Then they didn't really want to give – like, Wallman started playing well, but he's playing well in a bottom pair. He started getting more responsibility, put him on the top pair. 
and then after eventually he works his way onto the pair with cider and it works out really that's well. another thing about wallman too like I, I forgot about that part like Sherrod sucked on the first pairing this year <laughs> Really he bad. was he was real a huge improvement than what he was on the first pairing. Like when he was playing the second and the third pairing, whatever. I mean, it was mostly the second pairing, but when he was playing the second pairing, especially towards the end of the year, he was lights out better than he was at the start of the year. Yeah, I I really liked Sherrod's game. Like once he was off the pairing with Cider, I didn't really have any huge complaints with him after. Yeah, except when he was playing with Heronic, I had some complaints. But like once it was like kind of up and down it was like with Mata and then it was with Edvinson. I thought he did a really good job with Edvinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and I, I was, think honestly that could be a plan next year. I think that's why they tried it. I was he's very, probably he's probably gonna be playing the right next year. I was very pleased with well I mean you have like Edvinson, you have Wallman and you have Mata. He kind of has to play the right. Mm-hmm. Um and I really like Sherrod's game. Um yeah. towards the end of the year. I I but was I, like I've I didn't expect to be that happy with Sherratt towards the end of the season, especially the way he started. But yeah, um, with with Wallman, nine goals in sixty games as a defenseman. Yeah, and uh, they weren't like just fluke goals either. They were him making someone look silly at the blue line, and then like taking a really nice shot. And I mean, I think you had sent this in the Twitter group. I don't remember who it was from but it was maybe it was the nhl but it was like hardest shots logged in the season and he was on there twice yeah he was fourth and sixth i want to say yeah and it was by like 0.002 or something like that exactly i mean he's the top one he's got a rocket yeah he very hard shot like there's so many things he does so well and he defends really well like the only gripe i necessarily have with wallman is um trying to do too much in the d zone i I love i love his creativity i would Um, say his power play is my biggest gripe i don't even care what the power play i don't care if he's shit on the power play (laughs) he does so much well five on five that i don't and on the penalty kill i couldn't care less if he's on the power play or not honestly if they want to like better use us and put him on the flank let him rip it i just think his decision making isn't the smartest on the power play yeah i don't think it'll really work like that like I don't think he's just triggered in the head to just take a one timer every time it hits a stick. Like on the oh no, play. he's really good at five on five and penalty kill. No, yes, exactly. I my biggest gripe is him trying too much in the D zone. Like sometimes he'll try to skate it through three guys, which turns out I think there was like two times this year where it ended badly. Um, yeah, but that's something that's easily changed. Definitely, definitely. My other guy, uh, surprise, uh, Alimata. Yeah. That is, he was a pleasant surprise this year. Yeah, he was probably like, again, we'll talk about that other one in a little bit, but like, uh, he brought a lot of value to the Red Wings decor. Especially Solid. the first part of the year with Heronic. He, he got the Red Wings quite the uh, pretty package for <laughs> Philip Heronic. We, Steve Eisenman, I hope, sent him like some chocolates or something. That's why he got that new deal. <laughs> Minting him up because he knew it was coming. Like, because the deal happened before Heronic was traded. Yeah. They minted him, minted him up before, and was like, "Hey, thanks." A little oh nice bump up, gosh. but no, I'm that super is... pumped that he. I'm super pumped he's staying. Me too. I think he's the perfect four or five, like four or five guy on a team. Yeah, he, he can easily play fourth comfortably, and then he's a really, really good five, in my opinion. Um, yep. I know he had struggled in his past, like with the Kings, he wasn't fabulous, but he wasn't bad. And with Detroit, he looked really good. Um, yeah. Especially also the, off- first... 
first half of the season was really His good. Offense and, spiked a little bit too. Yep. I know. I, I I had mentioned Chase on too. Um, but Chase on just bringing the power play to like life at the end of the season. He had five power play goals. Exactly. Um, that was the biggest surprise to me. And he played. It wasn't just like that. Like he's just so strong in front of the net. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he gets re-signed in a depth role. I'm not against it. I'm not it's against just- it either. I I. I mean, I'm not gonna be mad if they don't. So, no, me either. I'll he understand feel, if he, they do. Yeah, he's kind of. I'm on the fringe on him. I I could see it, but also it's kind of like, okay, what do you plan to do with the rest of it then? I think he's gonna get an NHL contract regardless, though, which I'm really happy for. And him. good for him. Exactly. I know like, a lot of fan bases like Edmonton and Vancouver weren't thrilled with him, and I think maybe it's because he's he was played in such a like a big role. And who knows? Maybe he's not a first power play unit guy. Like maybe he's becomes power play two guy. Whatever. Yeah, he can bring some value, I think. Still, and I, th- I thought his five on five game was fine. Yeah, it wasn't excellent, but it wasn't bad. He's a fourth liner. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good one. I forgot to add him. That's a really good one. Biggest disappointment. That one was kind of tough for me. I like when I hear disappointment, the first name that comes to my head, which is bad, it's Zadina. And that's the only thing I can think of. Like, I think his season was a disappointment um, based on injury and kind of what he brought. And, uh, I mean, like, when he did play, it wasn't necessarily good. Um, but it was more so the season as a whole. Like, it was disappointing to see that he didn't really, like, have a chance to show himself right. again. Um, then after that, like, I really don't have my probably Ernie. Or Lindstrom. Lindstrom's I, a good one. I, 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 I would that. probably say Lindstrom. Ernie, you're I missing really a you're missing a big one. I probably am, but Nedeljkovic. Oh, Nedeljkovic is a huge one, but I would That's... say Lindstrom would be mine since I didn't think of Nedeljkovic. Lindstrom was really bad this year when he did play. I he say was he had... the he was the worst player on the roster. And I didn't... I'm not exaggerating. He didn't have very many good moments. Yep, and I think everyone's kind of agreed that like I don't think he's coming back. No, I'd be shocked. Yep. Even though he's an RFA, it doesn't really Even matter. though he's the second best right-handed defenseman on the Red Wings roster. Yeah. I mean, congrats. <laughs> doesn't take much. Doesn't take much. But I'd Nadal rather Kuch- Zarnik back there. Nadelkic was expected to be a tandem goalie and provide some good starts, and he didn't do that consistently. Yeah. So that's why he's the biggest disappointment. I also threw Raymond on there. It's not like he had a bad season, but like like we talked about, weeks again, you kind of projected him to be like a 60-point guy. He was in the forties again. Not again. It's not a bad season. It's just not. Yeah, I have trouble throwing Raymond in there. I think uh, our expectations were a little high of him. Maybe I think so too. That's the definition of disappointment, though. Yeah. Uh, So I mean, I just have trouble throwing him in there because maybe we just evaluated it poorly. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm. He's not the biggest one. I'm just saying his name is in the conversation. Nedeljkovic is my biggest disappointment. Schrott also could be thrown in there, simply for how much money he was being paid, and he wasn't the first pairing defenseman, but. Yeah. I thought once they kind of figured out his role, they did a better job of it. I think so, too. I, I was, like I said, I was pleased with Sherrod towards the end of the season. At the start of the season, I was more than disappointed. <laughs> I was upset. <laughs> uh, but um, once they figured out his role, uh, Sherrod did a really good job. Yeah. Yep. Uh, best out of the new acquisitions. 
the summer. So the free agent signings are the big the big ones. Who is I think your... there's three different ways you can go about it. Like you can go production, you can go um most valuable to the team, or you can go like best in a defensive role. And obviously I go right to most valuable, so I go Huso. Mm. Um easily the most important out of the three. I guess maybe not easily, but it's hard to find a goalie that you can trust. Um, and I thought Huso did a really good job, especially towards the first part of the season. And then he struggled a little bit. But there's a, there's a real world where you go Perron or Cop. Like Cop struggled at the first part of the season, and he really kind of took off, like defensively, especially like on the penalty kill. He was tremendous. Yep. And uh, he had. He was an underrated playmaker this year for the Red Wings. Um, one of the better ones in my eyes. And then Perron, obviously, he's so valuable in so many different aspects of the game. So that one's kind of tough for me. I kind of roped the three of them together. Um, I think I lean Huso though. Yeah, I lean Huso too. I like Perron again. He had a great season. He's per- He's like a perfect top six winger. He's a perfect fit for the Red Wings. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also like again. I threw Mata in there. Cops a good one. Like you just brought up again, his season. I thought it again. Yeah, his back half of the season, I thought was really good, and I kind of showed yeah. where the player he truly is. Especially at the end, like after post trade deadline, I thought Cop was one of the most consistent Red Wings. He was very uh, consistent. Yeah, Mata for the reasons I just brought up. Also Kubalik. Again, he, I know he he had he had a really hot stretch, and then he cooled off. But again, for what you brought him in, I mean, it's hard not to gain value from that, right? And I thought when he was playing up with Larkin and Perron too, again at the end of the year, I thought he actually did pretty well. Yeah, and more consistently being engaged. Again, I don't For think sure. I in I don't think in an ideal world Kubalik's on your first line, but it's nice to know you can have that depth. Yeah. Um, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four breakout player. Who you got? Kyle Connor. <laughs> it's already had breakout years in the NHL. It doesn't count. <laughs> Sorry. I thought we were talking about for the Red Wings breakout oh, player, not, not in yeah. the NHL. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um this this one's kind of tough. Like I kind of go I th- I think Bergren next year. Okay. Uh depending on his role with the team, I think he could push 45, 50 points. Um I, like I would it. consider I would consider that a breakout. Yeah, can I guess or, considering from or I go Rasmussen is a hot take. Uh, breaks out with on the the point aspect of things, and he hits 50, 55. That would be nuts. I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks 50 points next year if he's playing in a consistent first or second line role. Also power play. He would need to play power play too. Listen, like if he plays on a line with Larkin and Prawn next year to start the season... Mm-hmm. And then DeBrinkit will obviously be in the second line with Raymond and Cobb. But if he starts a season like on a line with Larkin, there's no reason why he can't push 45 to 55 points in that range. Yeah. He showed he, like he... so many moments last year of like his speed and shot, really deceptive. And he's good at creating space. And also retrieving pucks. Yeah, no, I think also he would need to play in a power play role. Maybe. Well, that's first or second unit, like, who knows. Yeah, but... I would ideally think he'd need to be a power play guy. 
to hit that number, but I think it's attainable. My guy's Raymond. I know 57 points is a lot for a rookie, but also I think like from where he's drafted, I think a breakout's like closer to like that 70 mark. Yeah. So I think that, and then also you can look at like Edmondson, for example, like if he has like a, he has a big rookie year, right? And he proves to be a second pairing defenseman at least, right? Yeah. I would consider that a breakout. Um, Valeno, another guy too. I throw in that mix because again, what are you? Yep. What are you? I thought Cop had some really interesting comments on Valeno in his press conference. Uh, I, w- I know we weren't going to really get into like player pressers, but Cop had an interesting comment because he, he said he was really hard on Valeno at the beginning of the year. Like he was personally pushing Valeno and like was not happy with him. But then he had, by the end of the year, he became, he thinks Valeno is like one of his closest friends of the team. And he was really impressed with the steps that Valeno took. Which I thought was really interesting from like an outside perspective. I like that stuff. Like, I, I like the way Cop like goes about business, mm-hmm. and like the way he plays the game. Like he's kind of a bit of a package there. Like, and it's not like, I mean, as an outsider, you look at it like, oh, he had X amount of points last year with the Rangers, almost basically a point per game, and then oh, he's gonna do this for the Red Wings. But you don't see like all the locker room stuff, and you're not watching every single game of his because you're not an exact fan of the team. So you don't know exactly what to expect of the player. Mm-hmm. And so, like, obviously, the way he started the season, like slowish statistically, um, hard hard to get a read on him. But um, I really liked him this year. And I like yeah. that he. I like those comments about Valeno. I think that's awesome. That's good stuff. And yeah. Maybe we will see Valeno take a step. Yeah. Right. That's why I kind of like threw him in there too, because I really thought those those comments were interesting. I like that as well. So yeah. Also like again, Mazer, Casper, even depending. Carter Mazer, sixty point season. Casper is gonna have ninety next year. Nice playing on Bedard's wing. Yeah. <laughs> They don't want to start Casper at center right away in the <laughs> NHL, so it's going to be – it'll probably be – the second line will probably be Bedard with Casper and then probably to bring Kit. Raymond's going to get pushed down to the third line, I would think. Well, actually, yeah, Fantilli, no. well Fantilli's but, going to center that line. And yeah. then Mazer will be on the other side. Yeah, and it'll be Larkin, Connor, and uh, Perron probably. I don't know where the cap's coming from, but – I don't know where Rasmussen's fitting in either. That's a good point. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Maybe Casper will start on the fourth line. It'll be <laughs> Rasmussen, Rasmussen, Bedard, and Debrinkit. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of that's a height differential there. Rasmussen's gonna have ninety points next year with Bedard <laughs> and Debrinkit. Literally, he's just gonna clean up rebounds that go off the post. He's gonna be, he's gonna be the quietest forty three goal scorer in the NHL. Imagine the Red Wings do get Bedard and Rasmussen plays with Bedard. <laughs> Honestly, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I think there's like a couple again, like uh, I think it kind of wraps up those. It kind of like wraps up like the season like that. Um, Red Wings going to Worlds. Uh, Raymond, Mata, and Lalone all going, which is pretty cool. I know Cop made comments that he he wants to take the summer to fully train and have a full healthy start. Doesn't want to have any setbacks from injury, which I totally get. Especially yeah. like a guy who came in with an injury last year, taking part like that. Huso is spending the summer in Detroit. And he's not going to go to Worlds. He's going to take some time too. I like that. Um, Cider had a weird thing. It was like an injury. 
he's dealing with. I think the German like Federation like whatever like a weird thing. It was kind of I don't know. So it was like a rough translation. I read a bit of it, but I don't wanna, I don't want to elaborate too much because I don't really know exactly what's going on there. But he's not going. Um, Larkin said in his presser today he's not going. So yeah, there's a couple though. At least there'll be some watching interest. I think Raymond's a fun one for That'd Sweden. Be a fun one, yeah, especially with Patterson being there. Maybe he plays with Patterson and Dalin. And Darlene, that's a fun little trio there. Yeah, watch. that already sounds like a gold medal. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun. Maybe Patterson, Patterson alone. Patterson alone sounds like a gold medal to me. Doesn't it? Wouldn't be surprised me if like Helberg's there too. Plays like plays with and, them. And Eric Carlson's going too. Oh my god! And the Sedin twins are playing. Actually, oh, yeah, the Sedin twins are playing too. Alfredson too. Yeah, Elfie's playing. They're gonna be stacked. All Mark's mm-hmm. actually leaving the playoffs to go play. Good for him. Honestly, <laughs> setting your standards right. It's I'm fine. kidding. I'm kidding. Carlson isn't going. I was kidding. Okay. All, those, all right. But... I was gonna say like I thought that'd be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's it's positive for those players. It's nice to see those guys get to compete, especially alone. I know he's buddies with um um oh my god the coach um of Quinn. Yes, he's he's buddies with Quinn. So I think that's cool. He gets to be with his buddy, and I, I know that the worlds are reportedly such a good time for players. You need to be in a cool city like Riga and just be out with like new people that you don't get to play with at all times, right? Yeah, for so, sure. Pretty neat. Um, Lombardi AHL debut. Again, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, pretty positive, and I think that's a good indication of where you might play next season. So that's that's pretty cool. I don't, I, I don't I had it further in the notes and I forgot to delete it because we already talked about it. So that's why I kind of added it in there. But uh, speaking of GR. Plenty of big changes there, cycling through the whole coaching staff. Yeah, which I thought was pretty interesting. Besides, uh, was it Knubel that's still safe? I think. I think Knubel is still safe. Yes. Yeah. So that's a uh, interesting, but it's not surprising. I mean, you look at the record the past two seasons; they haven't been good, and you had a lot of prospects there. You can argue though his development's actually been pretty good of prospects. You look at Bergeron's year, Edvinson took big strides this year. Johansson took big strides. Uh, Cross Hannes, another guy too. So yeah, Ben Simon shouldn't be completely dunked on, but but like in terms of like the team performing, it's not there. And you want to have a winning environment for your prospects. Yeah. So I don't think it should be like a huge like dunk, but as well, it should be noted that he did he did some good work with those guys. So yeah, I know the hot name right now is kind of being brought up as Dan Watson, which I think honestly would be a pretty natural fit. And I think another thing too shouldn't be thing. Lalone made comments about GR not having the same system as Detroit, and that kind of seemed to bug him. Yeah, and he's really good friends with Watson, and I wouldn't be surprised if like that happens to be the fit, and they kind of are on the same page in terms of what style they want to play. Yeah, that would be interesting. I know, like, and he's had such such a, such a successful season this year too. Yeah, so they are um, sick. They are gross. And you could argue, like, again, he was with Kosa. He coached out some of those players, like Sabrango, for example, who will be down there, Vero. Yeah. Right? Barton. Likely, I know Barton's an RFA, but I, I would imagine he just signs because he's a prospect, whatever. Um, yeah. So there's a lot, of, a lot of pieces like that. And again, a natural step forward is, like, you can grow within an organization, right? Like, you can be an NHL coach. I know there was mention of, like, Pat Fir- Fir- uh, Firschweiler, I think is his name. He was, an H- he was an NHL assistant coach. He was also an assistant coach on... I believe it was Blashill's bench for like the first season, but he's a head coach at uh, Western and they had a really good year. So he's got ties to the organization. So, I mean, that would be another interesting name to follow. So yeah, plenty of intrigue there for Sean Horkoff to make some hires, put him to work. 
I know uh, Friedman put in 32 thoughts that he mentioned Horkoff as potential being interviewed for Pittsburgh, mm, which would be which would be interesting. I know it's mostly because they want to cast a wide net and Horkoff's like a hot, like up and coming name. I don't think he would go or get the job simply for the fact that he just started. That would be a pretty big loss, especially because you're not like it's kind of just a job that was recently changed. Filled. Yeah. yeah. So and you they don't have, have they don't have any... the three they don't have the two assistant GMs anymore. Yeah. I would imagine though, like Korkov's still there. But I, I honestly though, if it does happen, like let's say in theory he does get it, good for him. Yeah. It also that, it that also, team needs a lot of Korkov in their life. Yeah, and also it shows like the Red Wings are a good organization to grow to. So then, like like teams that are like what whatever manager is looking to get in the NHL in the future would want to be in Detroit, yeah. right? It's a organization like that and so i mean they'd want to work under steve eisman so i i if it happens it happens right yeah so i don't think it's like a it was more so like a throwaway thing like horkoff was mentioned as a guy who's up and coming um but yeah i think you can kind of we can kind of move into quickly finish off here it's like a playoffs they started um we both kind of did our brackets a little bit so i think we can kind of go uh you want to you want to break down our picks like a little bit Sure. Yeah. I'm pulling them up right now. Bracket challenge. I should have done this a little bit ago. Um, but yeah, you want to start? Should we start in the East? Because I think the East is easier. We have the Eastern bias, right? Yeah. It's more intriguing. Um, or should we just, I'm trying to decide how we want to do this. Because again, pick by pick is kind of annoying. Right? Because just list your Stanley Cup final. I think that's more intriguing that we can kind of break it down from there. I got the Rangers versus Edmonton. With Edmonton winning. Ooh. McDusty. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. I'm not too far off. I got Dallas losing to the Rangers. Okay. So I'm also I'm I'm also Rangers in the finals, but I have the Rangers winning. I don't know. I'm going by this weird thing this year, but I also went against my rule. I'm picking teams primarily that they have a good goalie and a really and a good number one defenseman. Which is why I have Edmonton losing in the second round. They don't need defense. Yeah. Bouchard looked really, really good last night. Granted, they lost. Bouchard played really, really good. And Stu Skinner has been pretty good. He has been pretty good. It's more so because they're unproven. I'm not saying they won't be. I'm saying right now I'm valuing it on it. And for Dallas, for example, Ottinger, Heiskanen, elite. Right? Both both these teams lost yesterday, so. I know, right? Rangers... Rangers have Fox and Shesterkin. Fox yeah. is the best defenseman not named Kale McCarr. Yeah. So, and then Shesterkin was the Vesna winner last year. He's still is he? a top. Huh? I said, is he? Adam Fox? Yeah. I don't know. He's up there. You can, he's, he, up there. He, he's top five for sure. I think he's. I, really I love cool. me some high skin. Dude, he's had such a good year. He's, he's so, so much fun. He's so much fun. Um, but no, I, there's plenty of things. I, I know, like me picking Boston to lose in the second round is not exactly a, a fun take. It also go against goes against my rule. But uh, I I have Boston losing to Toronto as well in the second round. I just believe the president's curse. Yeah. And also, I think this is Toronto's year to kind of get over the hump. It's eventually. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Yeah. I, I also they, had the Carolina Hurricanes losing in the first round of the Islanders. I do as well. I do as well. I think it's a fun one. Um, it was a close game last last night too, because again we're we're recording on Tuesday afternoon, 
or night, whatever, late afternoon. And so, yeah, that game wrapped up. Again, Islanders, again, Ilya Sorokin tried his damnedest to steal that game, but Brent Burns, score. Brent Burns carried Carolina through that game. Yeah, definitely. Carolina, they just don't have the scoring, which is, honestly, I would pick Carolina any other time, but they're 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 missing Svechnikov. And if they had Svechnikov, I would have picked them. Yes, me too. Me too. They're they're lacking that uh, that extra bite, that whatever. So I, I if Carolina does get by, I'd still have I have them losing to either the Devils or the Rangers, honestly. Yeah. To be fair I, though, like I know you mentioned Dallas. I have Dallas in my conference finals. I have them beating Colorado in the second round. And then I have them, them losing to Edmonton to go to the They kind of have everything you'd want in a team. They I think we literally we literally have the same conference finals. Uh, I I don't have Edmonton in the conference final. Oh, you don't? You have them losing no, I, to I have Vegas. them losing to Vegas, yeah. I have, see, I have Vegas losing to Winnipeg in seven. Peter DeBoer is notoriously really good coaching in the playoffs. Yeah, until he gets to the finals. And also, I, I excuse me, I, I meant to, I was saying Peter DeBoer as in Vegas. I, yeah, I Bruce Dallas. Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy, also oh. like a good coach and have a really good defensive system. I know Vegas, I don't love their depth, but I really love their defense and their structure. The goaltending is a question mark for me. Which might bite them. Yeah, I mean they have Brosois playing like tonight. Um, I'm pretty. He's sure. been good, but again, it's just like how long does that story last, right? So I mean, it is a risky just, play. Winnipeg's offense is so good, and they have Hellebuck. I it's give good, but it's 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 good, but it isn't right. I don't know. Well, it's gonna have to be really good to win the series. So I just, I, I guess, I, I guess, I believe, I believe in the players. Like I believe That's in fair. Kyle Connor. I believe in Nikola Ehlers. Mark Scheifele. I don't like I don't like Winnipeg's D. That's Shifley what sucks. But yeah, Shifley's an interesting player for sure. Same with Wheeler, but Wheeler's kind of washed. Um, but Dubois's really good, but he's also like a, a whiny baby. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I really like I like the playoffs this year for the fact that like there are so many different options that could happen. What did you think about the hit on Pavelski? I didn't think much of it. It was bad. I really didn't have an opinion. I, I, I only saw I saw it once at five a.m. this morning when I woke up. So again, I'm not. I should watch it again. The problem is, I feel like Dumba always does shit like that. Yeah, that he's a guy plays a little bit of history of that. Like, I mean, he didn't have the puck. Like he had already released it, and it was just like, it was almost like a hit that was like meant to like try to kill someone rather than like there was no purpose of the hit, essentially. Right. Right, I get didn't, that. Didn't even get a penalty for it, um, which I thought was ridiculous. But yeah, that is weird. I'm not a huge fan of that. But again, I get it. I mean, I don't know. I need to watch it again. I'm not gonna. I, tur- I turned the game last night. Like, yeah, watching Pavelski like basically not know where he is. That that sucks because he's such a good player. Yeah, but it sounded like it was positives coming out of Dallas. Like, uh, it seems like he's doing okay, and yeah, but doesn't sound like he'll play tomorrow. Which yeah, it's fine. Still, it's still earlier in the series, so I mean, you can deal. You can yeah. deal with that. Again, it doesn't make or break Dallas either. Like they uh, so much. Their power play though. Yeah, the power play. They true. were two for two on the power play. Like I did. I watched. I watched the highlights and yeah, hints ripped it. Like both of the goals too were like within the first ten seconds of the power play starting. They're pretty fun. And then their power play looked they couldn't even like they get in the zone after Pavelski got hurt. They got in the zone and then they couldn't even set it up a power play. And then Yeah. They just Minnesota just ice it. Right. 
But no, it was a fun. I'm, I'm excited to watch Tampa Toronto tonight. That's gonna be a fun series. I think I'm more excited to watch New Jersey. Devil, yeah, no, that's Rangers. the one for sure. That's probably like the one I have the most interest in. Honestly, maybe it's because I have the Rangers winning the cup. But I don't want to like. It's not because I love the Rangers. I, I'm I'm full on in this podcast. I don't like Rangers fans. I I hate the Rangers, but I picked them to go really far. Yeah, I like a I like a lot that they have. I like their players. I shouldn't I shouldn't downplay that. Like, uh, I don't know. Anytime you have like Adam Fox. Condre Miller on the same defensive core and like Lingren's really good. That whole decor is really scary. And you have Sturkin. And then that mm-hmm. top six is just disgusting. Top six is really fun. And their third line is really fun too. Like they've been really is... they've been they've been playing good of late too. Like again, they they've found their stride. The third line? Yeah. They were really good in the playoffs last year. That's they yeah. kind of but I know there's a big storyline during the year. It's like, oh no, they're crashing again. But I, I don't know. It seems like Kako and Lafreniere are kind of like starting to find some consist- ugh, consistency. Yeah, and I like Heat a lot. He's great. He's great. But yeah, super excited to watch the rest of it. But uh, I think I'll do it for this one, unless you got anything else to add on. No, it should be good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, moving forward throughout the the rest of the off season, I think we'll still try it once a week. For content, I mean, depending, maybe there's a week we'll skip here and there, but then the summer probably be closer to like after the like June ish, like that point draft time free agency will go to every other week for sure. But uh, I think it's gonna do it for this one. But uh, yeah, be sure to support inside the rank. Um, check out my articles there. I'm gonna, I think I'm planning something for this week. Uh, ESPN Plus, sign it up. Um, inside the rank.com slash ESPN. Uh, TPL pod on Twitter. Yeah, they'll do it for this one. Thank you everyone for listening.